clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm Josh Lapp. And as you can hear, I did not get my friend's fortune correct. Oh, it's okay. Mine was pretty wrong, too. <laughs> uh, so, I now add Any, these. Anything to I now say add, about yours? I now or? add these in post, for those of you who don't know how the sausage gets made on a podcast sometimes. So, we didn't listen to that. We don't really listen to them live on the show anymore. Just because of technical things. Uh, normally we play beforehand, but we didn't this time. Yeah, mine was just that there were 23 games this year decided in the final minute of, of the game. And I think the number I said was eight or nine of those there would be this week. There were some close games, but not quite the same amount. Not quite the amount that I had predicted. I like that one. Yeah, mine was uh, Nick Chubb was going to set his record with rushing yards and that didn't that did not come to fruition at all i you know when looking at nick chubb's numbers they on paper it looks kind of bad but when i was watching the game i thought he was running pretty effectively i just feel like they weren't going to him but they went to him a lot more than i realized yeah it is always weird when you look back at stats and you're like wait i i felt differently about that game um we talked about that a couple of times, but especially like I remember week one, we look back at Zeke's rushing stats. We're like, oh, he didn't have that good of a game, but it felt like during the game he was running well and doing good things. So that is weird how sometimes stats don't just line up. That's why I've never believed the whole numbers never lie notion. <laughs> I think very often they're set up in a weird way. Yeah, screw you, stat guy. Stat guy. Gotta get that sound effect so we can add him more and more uh anyway <laughs> welcome to the show guys welcome into the clearly the most exciting trade deadline coverage that you will ever see uh, <laughs> what a bummer today was uh, uh what's his name the big blockbuster trade today laurent duvernay tardif to the jets for tight end dan brown and see and that <laughs> trade made me really sad it just it bummed me out because I really respect what Duvernay Tardif like. I do like the doctor right. took last year off yeah. to go help with COVID stuff, yeah. and then like we were pay him by 
going to the Jets, which maybe you know what? Maybe he'll thrive in the the Big Apple scene. Hey, maybe they're maybe gonna. It wasn't even like he was maybe, really playing that much in Kansas City, but maybe they're on a big comeback trail now after another big upset. Who knows? Hey, the the Jets have two wins, um, and they're both against teams leading their division right now. So I don't know, man. They play up to competition. They play when it matters. <laughs> um, of course, we will cover. Every trade because it won't take us more than three minutes to cover, but uh, let's get to some rent rate recall first. Yeah, I know. I know we will talk about this later, but you know, it it just it was too good not to rave about it. You got to rave about Mike White and those New York Jets. Like he he came out and absolutely balled out and threw for four hundred yards and three touchdowns and you know. Against a really, like you said, division-leading team in Cincinnati. And it was a team that Cincinnati was coming off a dominant win over Baltimore. And they were kind of looking like they were trying to change their guard. And it very well still can be that. But this guy came out and everyone was like, oh, like the Jets don't have any backup quarterbacks. They have to go and trade for Joe Flacco. And also, you know, like, don't you kind of feel bad for Joe Flacco? Because Just a tad, yeah. He probably... Not to say, you know, Joe Flacco's time is most likely done, but probably didn't love his time in New York. We're just, I'm I'm assuming that. And so to be traded and be like, well, at least I'll get to be the guy. And now it's not even looking, he's going to get to be the guy. So kind of, kind of sad. But yes, this is about Mike White, not the, not the woe of, of Joe Flacco, but this guy definitely deserves the props. And right now they're talking about whether or not they should stick with him. And, you know, so it's well-deserved because when you have a, performance like that and it's gonna it's gonna warrant those talks in my opinion yeah absolutely and i i i don't want to say it's silly but the jets aren't going to go with mike white and just like not give zach wilson another chance like when zach wilson's healthy regardless of how mike white play mike white plays zach wilson's not like just gonna get five or six career starts then get him give up on you know uh the jets used high draft capital to get him he'll be back but Mike White does join rarefied air. I'm adding on here because I was also going to rave about Mike White. He joins Cam Newton as the only quarterback since 1950 to throw for 400 yards in their first career start. And he's also the only quarterback since 1950 to throw for 400 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in his first career start. So historic numbers against the defense that had been playing decently well. Um, obviously, they're not the best defense in the NFL, but that was one of the reasons why they had started 5-2. and two. They were able to slow other offensive down when they needed to. And obviously, oh, sure. obviously, Joe Burrow threw a pretty pretty poor pass near the end there that, you know, gave the the Jets the ball back. And, yeah, it's it was a it was a crazy game. The Bengals were up 11 in the fourth quarter, and I was just kind of looking at it, and I was thinking, oh, okay, they got that. That's fine. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at it, and, they're throwing a two-point conversion to make it a, a game again, and you're like, what is going on here? So, yeah, it was really, really, really uh, exciting when young players like that do that. Other names on this list, by the way. So Cam Newton threw for 400 in his start in 2011. Kevin Cobb threw for 391 yards in 2009 in his first start. I believe that was for Philadelphia Eagles. And then Vinny Testaverde did it in 1987, 369 passing yards. So those are the most passing yards by a quarterback in their first start in the NFL. So, yes, rave about Mike White. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm I, going to cut you off for a quick second because I want to get to your rant re- recall. But I'm just going to fast forward in the show right now because I, I want to talk about it now instead of just kind of diddling about it. And 
talking about it in a half hour or so. You are saying, I, I agree, Zach Wilson isn't done in New York. That I don't think anyone's saying that. But is this an opportunity in – see, I feel like – it might not be a bad thing to let Zach Wilson sit down for a minute. There are a lot and of people saying that. So do you do you disagree with that? Do you feel like when when he's healthy, which is probably going to be in two weeks, he won't start this week, but after that I feel like he could very well be back. Is this just you go back to him because you drafted him to be the starter, like you were talking about that draft capital, and he needs to take his lumps and learn? Or is this where you know the team might be a little bit better with, with White's potential right now and have Zach Wilson, who has a ton of potential, but came in a little bit raw. And that was something that you talked about during during draft season and whatnot. He was nowhere near a, a finished, fine-tuned product. Do you feel like, you know, you don't even you don't even think about having White continue to be the guy for now? It's just weird because and I know this is the debate, right? The sit or start. And I'm just of the mindset that I I don't want to say that you can't get better by taking a step back and, and, and learning, but I just think especially in the NFL, if if you got it, you got it, and if you don't, you don't. And so sitting down, in my opinion, isn't just going to be like miraculously the cure for any sort of Zach Wilson woes. Obviously, they are trying to shore up the line here with a trade, not albeit a huge trade, but still a trade nonetheless for a starting lineman in the NFL, and I I don't know. I, 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 if I were the, let's just put it this way. If I were the coach, I would just put him right back in there and say, keep, we're going to keep learning, right? We're going to keep growing. And I know Mike White was super impressive in this start. Um, he did also have interceptions and he had interceptions in the, his last game that he played when he came in, in for Zach Wilson as well. So while he definitely was slinging it around and obviously ended up, being pivotal and winning them that game, he wasn't infallible either. So we'll sure. we'll see what happens. I again, I he's, it's a fun story, and I love an underdog. Everybody knows that, so I will root for the kid. But I think the best case scenario, best case scenario, I think what's more likely than not to happen is that if that Mike White doesn't play quite as well in the next couple of weeks and then we're not really talking about it anymore the best case scenario is that he plays pretty well the next two weeks in the offseason somebody says hey let's take a stab at Mike White let's send you know New York a pick for him and then they get to keep going with Zach Wilson we'll see what happens but I don't really again I love an underdog I don't really expect Mike White to to play like this for the next couple of weeks I will certainly see uh like you said I I, I liked the, if you have it, then you have it. And I think Zach Wilson's shown that he has it. Just maybe the mental aspect of the game has to slow down. And you could you can make an argument that you just need to be out there doing or playing the game to make that happen. But it could be very well learning in the classroom for him. Admittedly, I will, but, ad, I will, I will admit that a lot of that opinion comes from me personally. I can't learn something in the classroom as well as I can in practice. Like, I, I'm terrible at the, let me explain to you how to do this, or let me, like, you can read this paper on how to do this, and then go do it. Like, I have to do it and fail at it to get good at it. That's just how I learn and to get good at things. So, maybe that is a little bit of projection on my point and my style of learning. That makes sense. Um, but, so, just throwing that out there. Hands-on learning. We I will be really excited to see if he comes in and, 
doesn't play like trash because we have seen the the Kevin Cobbs, the Matt Flynn make these kind of impacts and then go on to try to be a starter somewhere. Right, right. I think the last time that we haven't really seen it was with, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, filled in in, in San Francisco, uh, Nate Mullins. I was, oh, yeah. I was honestly Nick, shocked that like, Mullins. Nate Mullins is like third on the depth chart, I think, in Philadelphia. Like, I think he I is in like Philadelphia, yeah. You see yeah. those stories, somebody like – gives them the opportunity but like are you our guy yeah i, we'll I think see if that's in store for i mean play. it's just goes to show you how premium how much of a premium is placed on quarterbacks right they win everything they win all the awards they get all the glory when it's good and they get all the blame when it's bad and the second you see a glimpse from any of them normally they get three or four more chances to see if that was just a blip or not so and he's going to start the next couple of weeks, and he's got Thursday night football against the Colts, which, I mean, if 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 this Jets team can beat the Titans and they can beat the Bengals, they could beat the Colts too. So we'll see what happens. Well, there we go. So now that I've taken up uh, 10 minutes, what's your rant? Oh, no, 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 no. I said that during, during what I was saying is that I was going to rave about Mike White, so I'm glad that we just took a little... Oh. Took yeah. a little detour there, there because well, I he deserves it. Yeah, he he, like it. like I said, I don't. I hope nobody thinks that I'm being a downer on the kid. Like I said, I love an underdog, and I I was think it was a lot of fun watching him do that on Sunday, even though I was rooting for the Bengals. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. You love when that happened. It was the weekend of the backup quarterbacks, as we will continue to talk about as we move forward. Uh, do we have? Do you have a? Do you have a crush in it for today? Um, I did, but I'm totally blanking on who I had. Do you have a crush? It was, it was my way. Uh, my crush on it was Odell Beckham. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say, and oh boy, it kind of hurts me to say it, but I'm going to give a crush in it to the Carolina Panthers defense. So, oh, so we all know, you know, guys, Josh thinks I'm a sadist or at least a little bit of it because I root for the Falcons, but Oh boy! It's not the only reason. I really thought that they were going to pull this one out in the end, but of course they didn't. They did what the Falcons always do, and they gave it up in the end. But this, like the Atlanta offense, isn't bad. They've actually been red hot the last couple of weeks. I talked about that on the show, Matt Ryan, and this offense has been red hot. And they even had, I mean, it's not just the loss of Calvin Ridley, who obviously didn't uh, participate in this game, but it was also the like the offense was still humming with Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts coming on super strong. And then they have Tajay Sharp. And are you talking about, I'm sorry, were you talking about pre prior to this game or in this game as well? Prior in this game, like prior definitely was not. No. Okay. Prior. Like, yeah. Two, two, three weeks ago, like they were heating up, but they were, they were stifled. Right. And that's what I was this And what my crush in it is, is the Carolina defense totally shut them down. And we were all, we were having questions about the Carolina defense, like the arrows, for the defense of Carolina and the offense of Atlanta were going in complete opposite directions heading into this game. And they totally flipped the script. And uh, like I said, I don't want to go on for too long because it was frustrating, but they, they were all over the place and tons of pass breakups. There were two interceptions, one of them by the newly, the newly signed uh, Stefan Gilmore, or I guess they ended up trading for him. Uh, the newly traded for Stefan Gilmore. Uh, there was, four sacks three sacks in the game tons of tackles for loss i mean they were just really all over the place so i uh, gotta give the shout out to that to that team even though they were can falcons continue to ruin not only my spirits but my pal's picks <laughs> yeah so my crush and i do remember 
was going to go to my favorite running back coming out of of the draft this year, Najee Harris. Yeah, he, he was pretty great. Have a mind, did not have a mind-blowing game by any stretch of the imagination. Had less than 100 yards uh, on 26 carries, so that per average carry is not, not great. But he did have a touchdown, and I just feel like as he's gotten going, we've started to see the Pittsburgh – Steelers offense come a little more to life because we've talked about so often that that running game is really really necessary for them to be operating and there were times that you know I feel like Cleveland knew the ball was going to Harris but he would still just turn out three four yards and he didn't have a lot of yards for for a lot of plays for negative yardage and I just feel like that was really important uh, in this nitty-gritty AFC North game so it was really good to see him. I'm glad to see that. I mean, he's getting a ton of work. Yeah, he's their that guy. Me I mean, a bit nervous. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me a little bit nervous about like the longevity of his career, but he is definitely the guy, and it, and I think it played a pivotal role in beating the Browns last year. For week. sure. And early on, he was getting 100% of the snaps at running back. I mean, he was on the field the whole game. So he did have over 100 total yards, including his receiving yards and the touchdown, of course. And, yeah, I think he's just getting better and better. And, like I said, I – I, I like a lot about Pittsburgh, except for their quarterback. So when they miss the playoffs this year with Big Ben, we'll see if they get a quarterback next year. Anyway, let's get into some news and notes, which is also our trade deadline coverage. Like I said, wow, what an incredible trade deadline. Everybody we thought that was going to be traded was obviously traded. Haha. <laughs> so uh, the, the biggest news, obviously, the – I don't know if I want to say biggest because I – would have predicted this if you would have asked me to predict it uh, to Sean Watson not being traded, even though there were the, the it was reported that Miami did quote their due diligence end quote. There was the you know tons of running backs that we had a plethora of running backs that we sort of rumored to different places. Marlon Mack being one of them, still annoyed about that. Um, the Steeler aforementioned Steelers traded uh, Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick. Uh, we talked about uh, Duvernay Tardif to the Jets for the tight end Brown. I don't even know who that tight end is. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's weird for me because I love tight ends. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the the real big blockbuster trade was Von Miller. Not even on trade deadline day, I think. Or wait, was it today or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, it was even yesterday. So it wasn't even on the deadline for a second and a third round pick. So... You know, I saw a meme. Yeah, that one's big. I saw a meme on Twitter, and it was like, Sean McVay and the Rams don't have... I'm convinced Sean McVay and the, and the Rams don't have any more draft picks. They're just doing some sort of magic trick to be like, no, 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 we totally have draft picks. Yeah, 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 take them for this player. It's just like, they. We. how many times are we going to come on the show and say the Rams don't care about draft picks? They just want players. And now, when you face the Rams, who are already terrifying, you have to face Aaron Donald... And Von Miller coming at you with Jalen Ramsey sitting back there in the secondary in case you screw up. So, I mean, they really are. And I, I don't know if you saw the Rams Twitter, but they tweeted something that was like us right now or something. And it's just like a a, a gif of them pushing all the chips into the middle of the table. I'm like, yeah, I mean, at least they know what they're doing, right? <laughs> at least they're, <laughs> they're aware what they're doing. They're aware. That's absolutely <laughs> what they're doing. I mean, they're playing for... 
I don't want to say they're just playing for this year because they're not. Obviously, like trading for Stafford, like Stafford's not going to be around for one or two more years. And even Von Miller, he's getting up there in age, but he could still be around for a, a couple of years. But I mean, it absolutely is because they aren't they aren't playing for the future in in any shape or form. They are playing for right now. There's they know their Super Bowl window. And I feel like we say this every year when it comes to the Rams because they keep doing this. It's 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 risky in my opinion because we have the any given Sunday, you know, the the Cardinals who uh, it's definitely are, risky, yeah, are a super good team, but they they made the Rams look super pedestrian. And would Von Miller having been there made that game different? I mean, it could have certainly, but I don't know if it's that large of a, a swing. I don't think the Bengals or the Titans were expecting to lose to the the Jets. I don't think the Vikings were expecting to lose to Cooper Rush. I think, you know, yeah. so when it gets to the playoffs, because the Rams, they're too good to not be in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Take away the fact that they've only lost one game. Yeah. They're, they're just too good. But, you know, if it just doesn't show up on one particular Sunday, was this for was this for not? I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. Yeah. And I mean... I just think more and more we see so many teams get so close and it not quite work. And I just, I like, you're right. You're absolutely right. I just respect the, the mindset, right? Sean McVay is an aggressive head coach and he's kind of helming this regime here. And he's just saying, we're, we're going to consistently go for it every time. And sometimes it doesn't always work. I mean, they didn't give a lot of money to a guy like Deshaun Jackson, but that was another guy that was like, we're just going to keep adding and adding. And they just released him after the trade de- trade deadline and so i mean it doesn't always work and i mean there's also the they traded for brandon cooks and then traded brandon cooks away so they're they're willing to move pieces around until they get the right stuff and i respect them for it's weird because on one hand you want to say like oh don't give up on something in time but like they're not afraid to move pieces if they feel like they know in their gut it's not working and so they felt like they needed a boost and and they got von miller who's been playing pretty darn well this year actually so I thought that he very much has come back after that injury. I thought for sure. I thought the I thought Von Miller leaving yesterday was a sign that Denver may have been a little bit more of a seller here at the deadline. Obviously, they weren't. And who's to say who was or wasn't just because things didn't happen didn't mean people were trying. I'm sure that there were plenty of teams trying and just nobody agreeing on on value. I was reading the same thing that I'm sure everybody else was about how, you know, a lot of people were calling about Ronald Jones and Bruce Arians was like the compensation would have to be really high. And then obviously Odell Beckham Jr. has been rumored since he got to Cleveland uh, in trades. And, you know, they came out a little bit a little bit ago and said that they weren't going to trade him. So, yeah, who's to say? But you got I, I just at the at, to the core of it. I just respect that the Rams are not afraid to give it all they got. Well, and see, the thing is, they really have no reason not to be, not only because they have such a talented, loaded roster that, you know, why not? But so they won't in 2022 because of the the day two picks that they gave up to get Von Miller, but they've been so good at drafting in those rounds and later and picking up key free agents that, you know, the first round pick isn't isn't a make or break thing. You know, like they have found just really good star quality later on in the draft and they they have an amazing scouting and, and office. I don't know if you say front office. You could say front office, but like that just bring in, you know, that when you think of the free agents that Rams have brought in since the McVeigh 
has been there that have, you know, Andrew Whitworth, which is going to be, this is going to be his last year. So, you know, maybe it's going to be hard to replace that tackle position maybe, but then they have, they have Robert Woods and they've done good things in the, the secondary of, of their safeties and whatnot. So, you know, to give up a first round pick or a second round pick or a third round pick to bring in, you know, Matt Stafford and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey, you know, you've made your team doing this super scary because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what everybody hopes that they're able to do is draft well and, and sign well so that you can afford to, you know, use your other resources other places. Um, but yeah, I mean, we won't land on the Rams for too much. Obviously, like I said, there's not too many other trades to talk about. So I, I kind of put on a rundown here. It's actually funny. I put this on the rundown earlier when I sent it to you in the morning, not knowing how much it would be apropos. But what are what like what are some trades that we that you wanted to happen that you're kind of bummed didn't happen? Well, um, from a personal standpoint, I really was hoping that Green Bay would have went out and traded for Fletcher Cox, uh, who is supposedly on the market from Philadelphia. They were looking for a reported second or third round pick. I think giving up a third round pick to get uh, Fletcher Cox would have been a really good move to solidify that the middle of the defense for Green Bay. So that is from the team that I root for a standpoint. Uh, just the NFL standpoint, I you know, I'm just, and I have been the get rid of Odell since the beginning <laughs> of him being in Cleveland that you were talking about. But I'm just like, why other than the, you know, I, I saw the stories and everything about how hard it would be to trade him with, with money and everything. But like, we, we see things, you know, the NFL and the the people that work in it they they can do magic with those sorts of things so nobody is unmovable but i think it's just for just in my opinion every single reason to get rid of odell because i don't think odell wants to be there odell beckham senior certainly doesn't want him to be there i think it's going to create a weird atmosphere now with baker i think they don't care about using him i still think and statistics side with me that the offense is better when Odell isn't even there. They don't even care to try. Like he had like one target or one catch against Pittsburgh. It's just, he, he doesn't need to be there. I wish he would have gone somewhere else. I, I wish he would have too, because I still like the player. I still think he can be a very good player in the right offense. And somebody was talking about this. I so does LeBron James. I know. And I, <laughs> I, I don't remember if this was ESPN or NFL Network or a podcast I was listening to, but somebody was talking about the reason that they feel like Odell and the Browns offense aren't a good fit is because the Browns offense is based off of spot throws and timing. It's about being in the spot where you need to be and Baker throwing it with timing and rhythm because he's not the most physically gifted quarterback, right? And Odell just isn't that kind of player. He's kind of the lineup and beat your man one-on-one -on -one and be the guy kind of player. And I think that is a big reason why the the Browns offense has operated numbers-wise more efficiently without him on the field. And I think that he can still be a guy somewhere else. And I know that you're your famous hot take is that you think that Odell Beckham wouldn't be famous unless he had, you know, if he hadn't had that one catch. I mean, he did have a four to five year stretch of being a top five receiver, but you're right. I don't think he would have this sort of infamy without that one catch. And I think that he can have a role somewhere. It just at this point, and maybe this is a little bit of a recall for me at this point, I, 
you're right. I just don't think he gels in this offense, and I don't think it's a matter of Baker doesn't like him or Odell is washed. I just think it's not a good fit at this point. They're locked in with what they want to do, and they've got their guys that are capable of doing it, and they don't really need Odell. So, yeah, I mean, I was a little bit wrong. I thought that he was going to come out and be awesome and be this number one receiver that I think that he still can be, but I was wrong. He's not right now. I will be fascinated to see if everything, because there was, you know, whether or not, like, people really cared. There was drama about this with the whole, his dad releasing that video. And I do think it warrants something for LeBron James to come out and say what they did because they are, I think as close as, you know, celebrity athletes can be. So I feel like, you know, Odell probably said something to LeBron James. I don't think LeBron James would just send out or would make that comment or that tweet mindlessly. I feel like it was rooted in something other than him being, you know, Cleveland, native and i feel like oh i feel like lebron james roots for like five nfl teams so i don't even <laughs> want to say he's just a cleveland fan because he's he's not but i i feel like i i'm gonna be fascinated to see if stefanski does something special to try to get odell involved moving forward because while i think you are right i think odell is much more of i i think you described it perfectly actually but I, there were plenty of times that Eli Manning just hit Odell on a simple slant, and Odell has, and we've seen that in Cleveland. He can take those slants and just take it 80 yards. So, like, why is there so much about him having to be downfield? Like, I don't think Odell should just be the distraction that can can beat you deep. You know, get him involved. Like, he can do the Jarvis Landry work, but maybe has a little more upside than Jarvis Landry. And obviously Landry does an, an amazing job there in Cleveland in his role. And that's why I think he fits really well with Baker. But Odell can do that too. Right. It was just, just take it off the top. It was just last year that, you know, I mean, obviously it was right before he got injured, but he had this amazing three total touchdown day against the Cowboys last year. We were like, that's the Odell Beckham that they traded for, right? So, yeah, it's, it's just frustrating because I also just love the player. I think he's a great player and – I you know I I want to see great players succeed. He's still only 28 years old, so he's not ridiculously old either. Especially you know receivers can play into their 30s and have done so. I just uh, yeah we'll see it. It'll be fascinating to watch as you mentioned Stefanski and how he would respond to this because I do think Stefanski is a great coach. So do you? Go with the mindset of we're going to keep doing what we're doing because nobody's above the team. Or does he look at this, look at what was said by LeBron, by Odell's dad, and think, I need to find a way to make sure that this doesn't corrode our unit or the core of our team. So maybe on the next game, I do call a handful of plays on that first series for Odell and see if we can't get him a little bit more involved in this offense. I'm very fascinated to watch that, that those first 15 scripted plays for the Cleveland Browns this week in a huge matchup, by the way. Well, and that's what it is. You know, you're, you're talking about, I think Stefanski would be good to kind of, continue down the road of being like no one is above this team and it's a team that is middling right now but this act this might be one of the worst players that you could do that with because Odell has such and and nothing about him personally I don't mean I don't know the man I don't I don't really know if he 
is a locker room cancer or whatever you want to call it, but he has that aura that people will just kind of revolt about it. That's why there are so many people coming out and doing the the free OBJ and, and whatnot. So I think it certainly could become a distraction if, you know, it wanted to be one. Yeah, it, so it, it can, it's it going to be really fascinating. It definitely can. Uh, you just hope for the Browns' sake that it doesn't because it's – the Browns have been much maligned for too much of their iteration, and it's been really nice seeing them be really good the last couple of years, and I don't want that to go away because I think Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have done a sensational job with this franchise over the last handful of years. So we'll see what that's like going forward. Uh, you know, I mentioned Marlon Mack, and I'm still just upset about Marlon Mack. I, I know that that's a fantasy. I feel like the Colts suggest. That's it's a fantasy thing, but also here's the other thing: is that we saw literally at this exact deadline other coaches and teams doing a favor for players. Like I just mentioned to Sean Jackson, I think he wanted to be traded somewhere where he could be more involved, and he, they couldn't find a partner, so they let they released him. Melvin Ingram, it came out, he privately asked Mike Tomlin if that if they could trade him to a place where he could get more play, and he did it. Right, they got a six-round pick for him. So I think we're seeing teams and organizations accommodating players that, in the appropriate manner, say, "Hey, I'm not really happy with my role or, or what I'm doing here. Would you help me out?" And they have, and it, and we've seen it work out. So I'm, it is just weird and frustrating that they're just holding tight to Marlon Mack and, you know, not refusing or then just refusing to move on from him and not really using him. And again, it's a fantasy football thing for me too. I'm not going to lie. Like our team, <laughs> our team is struggling and we need running back help and we need Patrick Mahomes to wake the hell up. But it would have, it just would have been cool to see Marlon Mack go to one of these teams that seems like they could use a running back. There's a handful of them now. Yeah, for sure. No, it is, it is disappointing. And it, it's a trade that, or a player, I guess I should say, I was so confident that was going to be traded just because, like you said, you know, it's it's been since really the beginning of the season. Early, mid-September, Matt came out and, you know, requested that trade, and Indy said they would try. And, and it's not a landscape right now where there's no one that needs a back. There are certainly teams that could use a back, maybe not even if they're going to think about him being the every down guy but it could definitely come in and, and be a guy so i i agree with you i am disappointed because it it feels like i i would be shocked if if kansas city didn't call and offer uh, you know that six maybe before they had the melvin ingram trade or baltimore offered and called called and offered you know something maybe not something high but it's just it's a bummer that that didn't happen yeah, sometimes it's hard to remember that the NFL is not Madden or fantasy football. So sometimes trading's a little bit harder in real life than it is in uh, in different avenues. Well, we have to wait now until 2022 to see any more trades in the NFL. The teams are almost locked in other than some, you know, free agency moves and things like that. There will be no more trades for the 2021 NFL season. Well, let's get into a little bit of uh, games of the week here. Like I said before at the top of the show, it was the week of the NFL backup 
tons of NFL backups getting the job done. We mentioned Mike White. Obviously, the Saints had a huge upset over Tampa Bay where Trevor Simeon had to come in and get the deal done. Hasn't started the game since 2017 and got the job done against the defending champs. And then, of course, the shocker on Sunday Night Football, less than an hour before the game, it was, oh, no, Cooper Rush is starting this game. Ended up getting a win in the final couple of minutes of that game, which was crazy. Yeah, the week of the backup, man. Which one of these, uh, which one of the backups leading their team to a victory is the most surprising to you? Is it is it Mike White? I don't know if I would say the most surprising. Um, I mean, like, there are obviously really surprising elements of that because no one expected him to come out and do what he did. I would say the most surprising, though, would be Trevor Simeon, in my opinion, because he's not even technically the backup. He's the backup to the backup, and to do it against that, quote, vaunted defense, which has been exposed in, in you know, recent weeks. It's definitely—I I don't consider the Tampa defense the same as I consider Tampa's defense in week one uh, of this year. But, you know, to come in under those circumstances— in a game where you thought that was going to swing all the momentum, and obviously he wasn't perfect, but he got the job done. I think that's the most surprising, in my opinion, despite all the great things that Mike White did and the the surprise of Cooper Rush being named the starter You know, 45 minutes before the game started. I, I feel like Trevor Simeon coming in and beating the defending champs was was really big in my opinion. Let's be real. The most surprising thing about it is that Trevor Simeon completed a 38-yard pass to, that's right, Kevin White, who is still in the league apparently, and caught a 38-yard pass. (laughs) Guys, Kevin White is such a success. I I was so high on him. He's such a successful receiver in our Madden franchise. I'll let you know that. Josh is very fond of Kevin White. Um but, yeah, I mean, Trevor Seaman was great. 16 of 29, 159 yards and a touchdown. He totally led the offense exactly when he needed to. Now, I, the reports are that Taysom Hill is going to be coming back from his injuries for the last couple of weeks, and he'll he'll slip back in the, the starting role. Maybe we can talk about that for a second. I mean, how do we feel about the whole Taysom Hill thing? I will point out, it feels like there's too much hate on Taysom Hill and him as a starting quarterback. They Jeff... Duncan, who's an NFL reporter, tweeted out these stat. Yeah, Duncan. Uh, these four the these stats in the first four games, the first four starts in the Saints' offense with Sean Payton for Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston, and they're all pretty darn close. Jason or, or Taysom Hill has the second highest completion percentage in seventy two percent. Um, he's the third highest in passing yards, eight hundred and thirty two thirty four. Uh, touchdown interception ratio is four to two, which is the same as what Drew Brees was in his first four starts with the Saints, and he's three and one, which is second only to Teddy Bridgewater in his first four starts with them. But and their team averaging the most points per game in the first four starts, twenty four point point two. So I just don't get why people are are so like, oh, Taysom Hill's not the starter. They needed like get Drew Brees out of retirement or or talk to Philip Rivers, who said that he would listen. And I'm like, Taysom Hill has been pretty damn good when he's been able to play. And here we are ragging on him over and over again. I was the one that believed that that he was going to be named the starter outright. I'm like pretty excited for Taysom Hill to get this shot. Yeah, well, I will say that because you did think that Taysom Hill was going to win the job at the beginning of the year. But 
the only pushback I'll say about, you know, talking about Drew Brees or Philip Rivers, I don't think anyone thinks that's realistic. But, of course, they're going to be like, Drew Brees or Philip Rivers because those guys have such big names compared to Taysom Hill when probably, I don't know, Philip slung it all right last year pretty well sometimes, (laughs) except for when I was rooting for him. You know, Taysom Hill, like you said, three and one uh, in his opportunities. That wasn't last year, was it? That was two years ago. I think it was. was uh, I think it was last year because the year the year before was Bridgewater. Okay, yeah, you're correct. You know, I think him coming in is going to be a really large thing, and I I hope he does clear the concussion protocol because I do hope that he is named the starter. Nothing against Trevor Simeon, you know, he's he's okay. He did his thing in Denver for for a quick second, and I think he could be suitable but this could be the opportunity that Taysom Hill needs because he obviously signed that big contract that we were all confused about when it happened in the offseason <laughs> and I I do believe that it was probably I, I do believe that it was an open battle in camp and and everything so maybe this could be the opportunity for him to come in and and really see something and even if the Saints do want to go back to Jameis Winston next year, then maybe Taysom Hill gets an opportunity somewhere else. So it really is exciting to to see him have this opportunity, and I hope he comes back this week and, and starts it right away. Another interesting matchup this week. They have a divisional game against the Falcons. That will be in Pals Picks because why wouldn't the Falcons be in Pals Picks? But just kind of wrapping it up on the weekend review here. What what are some of the other outcomes or one outcome, if you will, whatever? What, like, what were some of your favorite games that are, and endings to games from this past week? There were some pretty exciting ones. Yeah, well, you know, go back to the homer, and it was obviously really exciting last Thursday night for the the Packers to take down the Cardinals. That was a big one. You know, I, I really didn't have high expectations for that game. I thought Green Bay would hang around, but in Arizona, you know, Air, Green Bay has as experienced some heartbreakers they've had a hard time playing there so it was really good to see them come out with their their own dramatic win that was really exciting and you know as much as I was rooting for the Vikings in that game you have to tip your cap to Dallas because to to go on the road and and get it done with your backup quarterback and just having an all-out team win because I think it was all three phases in my opinion although they had the missed field goal early on I think special teams played well the defense I think did an amazing job no matter what you say about Minnesota, and we've, you know, have gone back and forth on Kirk Cousins is really good and he's really good in prime time, but not really. And you know, then he stinks in Cleveland. And we're like, well, maybe. And but you know, no matter what, it was just a really good thing for Dallas to win and win in that fashion because it kept them in the upper echelon of the NFC. And to do it in the style that they did was was huge in my opinion. I'm just glad I didn't get a chance to change my pick because I probably totally would have had I knew that there was going to be a backup. That is but. a question. I <laughs> I wasn't paying attention during that time. I don't remember. I wasn't was either. And I was like, oh, why is Cooper Rush playing? Tour. And if I if I had offered you a double down, would you have taken Oh, it? yeah. I would have changed it immediately because I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that Minnesota was going to battle them tight no matter what. And with that, I would have been like, oh, yeah, Minnesota's got this. So I'm glad I didn't. I will just a word on the Packers game. Uh, I did pick the Packers to win in that game. I felt pretty confident about it. I know that that certainly probably wasn't a popular pick with the injuries that Green Bay had. But it just felt like the the Aaron Rodgers type game. And I think there was a stat that came out that Green Bay has actually been pretty successful without Devontae Adams. Now, nobody's suggesting that they're somehow better with Devontae Adams, but uh, without Devontae Adams excuse me, but 
they have been pretty good. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to Rasul Douglas, who was signed from the Cardinals practice squad three weeks ago. Um, and he ended up was the one that made the game ceiling interception on Kyle Murray, which was more of a miscommunication than anything, but still pretty, sure. still pretty cool. And then, of course, Matt LaFleur, it was his. 40th game coaching and he is now the winningest coach in NFL history through their first 40 games 33 and 7 uh he's been on it's been awesome and uh I I just I think that we're gonna do this again and we're going to underestimate the Packers and all of a sudden they're gonna be there in the final four and we're gonna watch another NFC title game with the Packers in it again thinking <laughs> can Aaron Rodgers get by it <laughs> Yeah, we will have to see if they can finally make it over that hump. And, you know, my dad texted me after that game on Thursday night and rained on my parade a little bit saying they got lucky. And, and you know, they it, for all intents and purposes, they did. I'm not too ignorant or blind to admit that. But, you know, when they're when they're down so many players, I think I can think of eight that they're down. It, it's better to be lucky than, than good sometimes. But I have all the credit in the world to Matt for, for how he coached that game, because being down the things that he was and knowing what was on the opposite sideline. And while the defense did play really well for most of the game, keeping Kyler Murray on the sideline, you know, it was just a brilliantly called game, despite some, some snafus that, that occurred there, especially near the end. Some people do say that luck is the residue of design. So if you have a really, really good design, you're going to get lucky more than often. That's why the Patriots were lucky for 20 straight damn years. Anyway, oh. uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, any other games you want to talk about before we move on? So I just want to get your opinion, and it was in Pals Picks last year. Just give me give me a quick second on on the Steelers Browns game and what that means for does it mean anything for these two organizations yeah, moving forward? That, is it just a blip? Was it a game was a week just, eight game? What are your thoughts? That game was like annoying, in in like a weird way. Cause it, <laughs> in a weird way, because I constantly felt that Cleveland was going to be fine and they were going to move down there and they were going to score. And obviously Pittsburgh got the the you know those six fourth quarter points to Cleveland's zero. And neither offense played particularly well at all. I mean, B Big Ben finished 22 of 34 for 266 and a touchdown. Um, he didn't have a pick. Uh, Ed Baker finished 20 of 31 for 225. No touchdowns, no picks. And like you said, Nick Chubb, uh, just under four four yards per carry. It was just a weird game, and it was kind of a slugfest. And I really thought that Cleveland was going to pull out in the end. I just, like I said, I think more annoying than anything because I think that Cleveland is just better than Pittsburgh. And I, again, what do I know? I'm just some schmuck laying on his couch talking about football with his pal. But I just think that Cleveland is a much better football team and that they shouldn't have lost that game. So that concerns me heading down the line. Or, but that being said, it could also just be, you know, Baker just came back from an injury and maybe he's just kind of like still playing a little. I don't know what's the word, a timid maybe, and they'll, you know, get it back together. But I, I'm concerned about both teams moving forward because Pittsburgh did not look particularly great. It wasn't like they came in and, and dominated and won this game. It was mostly Najee Harris, and Big Ben did take care of the ball, mm -hmm. thankfully. Um, but, you know, they both, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, have a lot of tough games coming up on their schedules. 
Very, very true. Very true. I will say Baker didn't look too timid when he took off and, and ran and took that. Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, that's true. All, all he fired was pretty... up and then, you know, I feel like it was like, what, three or four plays later the fumble happened. I was like, you just got too excited too early, Baker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird because <laughs> I like when players get excited, but it always looks really stupid when they screw up. Like just shortly after that. Anyway. Uh, but I connect with that because it sounds just like me in my life. Anyway, let's get to some cold reads. What's some cold reads today? Cold reads. Brrr. Well, I I asked you one earlier, so I will forego that one when I asked you about Mike White and, and turning over the page to him potentially. So I will ask you one more that I had, and that has to do with um, – Oh my gosh, I totally blanked. I was walking in circles for a second and then forgot. So how about you ask me yours and maybe I'll come back. <laughs> okay, tomorrow. okay. So my first cold read is we now have two teams in NFL history that have gone 0 and 16. Have gone un un unwin. <laughs> Who have gone winless in their in their quest. And the Lions were the first one to do that. Obviously the Cleveland Browns have done it. I, but I'm asking you now, are the Lions going to go wire to wire without a win for the second time in franchise history? Ooh, that is a good one. And, you know, uh, looking at their schedule, you know, it very well seems like it could happen because there isn't a team that I feel like they're even necessarily kind of equal. Maybe maybe two games that I could see potentially being sneaky. And, and and it's really hard because, you know, for so much of the season, I should say earlier on in the season, we were talking about, at least I said it, I think you agreed that the lines were just plays away or they were a quarter away or they were a half because they were a team of two halves and they just had to put it together. But I feel like that the training wheels have kind of fallen off in the last, you know, obviously they got absolutely routed by the Philadelphia Eagles. They didn't really play that well against the Rams. They got beat up by the Bengals. So I feel like it's kind of trending in an opposite direction where, like, it just seemed like so close. It's right there, and it hasn't seemed that close lately. So I very well could see the Lions going 0-16, 0-17, excuse me, for the first 0-17 season and being the first franchise to do that two times. Yeah, I could. Oh, man. I feel bad for Detroit. I know we both talked about liking Dan Campbell, the coach. I just hope that he gets a chance to stick around a little bit longer. So my second cold read is, so the AFC currently has their seven seed is the Los Angeles Chargers, and directly behind them at 8, 9, 10, and 11 are teams with four wins, the Patriots, Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, respectively. But in the NFC, the Carolina Panthers have four wins, and there are one, two, three, four, five teams directly behind them with three, one game out of that spot. So if you had to gun to your head right now, tell me what the seventh seed in the NFC would be, who would you say? Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm I'm looking this up one real quick. Yeah, because... so Carolina. So I'll run th- run through that real quick. Carolina, who did just beat the Falcons, because the Falcons are one of these teams. Carolina is currently in the seventh seed with four wins. They're four and four. And then at three and four, you have the Vikings, the 49ers, and the Falcons. And then at three and five, the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Bears. 
So that's one, two, three, four, five, six teams, seven including the Panthers, fighting for one spot in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, and it's so interesting because the NFC is so top loaded right now versus the NFC. Yeah, they've got like, they've got four you know, or they got like four so teams with only one loss. Um, it's really hard because I kind of lean saying it's going to be the Panthers, although that makes me super nervous. But I, I would have been really high on the Vikings had I not seen them just lay, in my opinion, what was a goose egg against the Cowboys. I feel like they should have steadily handled that game. It could be the 49ers, depending on, you know, if that team starts to click. Obviously, I had them winning the division. That's what I said Earlier on, before this year started, I, I fell off of that a little bit. But they could sneak in if those teams start to gel a little bit. Um, those are probably the two teams that I'm most comfortable with. Okay. But, you know, Russell Wilson's going to be coming back here soon. Yeah, I could see it. I, I was kind of going through the the whole playoff predictor simulator things. And it's not that crazy with some of the matchups that they have. If Russell came back in the next week or two and uh did you know what russell does so uh i i think that's the one to monitor the most um obviously i've kind of i i can't say this out loud but telepathically oh. you know what i'm thinking about the falcons so <laughs> anyway those are my cold reads there we have it well my cold read I realized I don't even want to ask it because it kind of goes against what you said last week. So I don't even know <laughs> if I want to talk about it anymore. So. All right. Well, with that being said, then, my friend, it is time for... Check the rundown. It's time for Pals Picks. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, guys, Josh thinks I'm a sadist because I just like talking about the Falcons. Yeah. Not only do you like talking about the Falcons, you just keep thinking they're going to win. <laughs> they should have won. It's fine. Except they didn't. They couldn't beat P.J. Walker. Within three points of beating the defending champs before they just fumbled it three plays in a row. Yeah, <sighs> it's fine. It's fine. It. They're still going to get the seventh seed. All right. So we did it. Oh, you just said it out loud, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I knew what you were saying. You were like, I'm not going to say it, and you said it. Well, getting back to Pal's picks anyway. So we both did pretty well last week. We both went two and one. So that brings me finally up to 500 and feels like forever. So I'm 12 and 12. You are one game behind 500 at 11 and 12, thanks to that infamous Atlanta Falcons double down. Wait, I should have. So. Wait, I should have. One more game than you. Then you said you were twelve and twelve, and then I'm eleven and twelve. So am I eleven and thirteen? Um, no. So you didn't get a game. You just lost a game. Okay. Okay. Got you. Got you. You lost one of your wins. Got you. Cool. Got it. Yep. All right. So getting on for this week, um, I got to pick the games first this week. So we are going to go to a second AFC North battle with the Cleveland Browns traveling to take on those now lost to the Mike White led Jets, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'd feel a lot better about this game if both of those outcomes would have been different last week. <laughs> <laughs> Really? I feel like that would make it just as hard. Yeah, I don't know. I think that both teams surging, I would have known who to pick. Now with both teams getting knocked down, uh, 
who do I think can come back stronger? That would suggest that I would have to go with Baker and the Browns, but I'm going to pick the Bengals. I just really like what I've seen from Cincinnati. I really like what Zach Taylor leading this offense has done with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, Boyd. See, we got C.J. Uzama, who's come on strong. They're able to use Joe Mixon and uh, uh, Samaje Pirine. I just, I really like what they have done, and their defense has played well at times. Obviously, giving up 400 yards and three touchdowns to Mike White isn't that great, but they did also have force a couple of turnovers as well. I just think that it was your classic trap game against the Jets, who are young and fast and prone to have a game or two every now and then that just surprises people so I think that at home in Cincinnati coming off a loss trying to avenge that I think Joe Burrow gets it done and Joe Burrow up until this point what had the highest quarterback rating against a zero blitz so we'll see if the we'll see if the Browns defense blitzes him like other teams have because he's burned a lot of people on the blitz this year I honestly don't remember if the second Browns Bengals game last year was after what that had to have been after Burrow got hurt, right? It was, yeah. I because the first time that they met on that Thursday night game, Burrow's that was that was an exciting game. So this one should be fun to watch. So I'm excited. So you have the Bengals taking down the Browns. How about the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles? I'm gonna go to the Chargers with this one. I know the Chargers are also a reeling team after a couple losses here. Uh, you know, losing pretty handily to the Ravens and then obviously losing a tight one to the Patriots who have totally flipped the script on their season with Mac Jones at the helm. That was a great win for it was that was a great win for yeah, New England. It was an awesome win. Given that some credit when you asked me that question. It was yeah, it was an awesome win for New England and I just I think New England's a good team and so the the Chargers aren't just like losing to bad teams, right? They're losing uh, despite the one Baltimore loss where they had it ha- handled them pretty easily. They're not like getting blown out or outclassed. I think they're a good team. I think they're just also another young unit that's trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together. And I think that Philly is a weird team. Obviously they've beaten up on some bad teams, you know, 44 to six against the, against the Detroit Lions, which I think is one of the biggest margins of it. Yeah, it's the largest margin of victory on the road since week 10 in 1981. So it's been a really, really long time since a team on the road beat up on another team like that. And I like Philly. I like a lot of their roster. I like their young skill position players. I still haven't given up on Jalen Hurts, even though everybody else seems to have. Uh, but I, I just think the Chargers are a better team. So you go with the better team. All right, so you have the Chargers traveling to the city of brotherly love, taking down the Eagles. Now, here's my favorite situation to be in Pals Picks is the last game I'm giving you is the Packers taking on the now back to 500 Kansas City Chiefs. This is my favorite kind of situation because if you take the Packers, then I get to root for them, and if you're right, then it's just that's awesome. And if they lose and you take them, then at least I get the joy of having – well then, well one. then, so it's, it's well then. Let's situation. just let's just say I'm doing this to be a good friend, and I'll pick the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's pretty easy for me. I think the Chiefs aren't a good team right now. I think the Chiefs have a lot to figure out. I'm not saying that by the end of the season we can't be saying, okay, the Chiefs got it together. Now you need to be worried about the Chiefs, right? That we see that happen every year. Right now, I don't think the Chiefs are very good. And I think sure. that the Packers are great. And I think that they're going to be getting back, hopefully, 
uh, Lazard and Adams, and they've got this great running back duo now with Jones and Dylan and Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers has done his whole career, right? Uh, despite that one year that everybody thought he was washed and he still had 25 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I just I think the Packers are if not the class of the NFC right now, they're certainly in conversation. And the Chiefs probably should have run away from the Giants on Monday night, and they didn't quite do it because their offense was still turnover prone and had its issues. So, yeah, I'm pretty comfortably picking the Packers here. There we go. I like that. They should probably also have the return of all-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari. He should be back protecting... Rogers blind side, so that could be big. But I agree. Just talking about the Chiefs real quick, and this isn't really what we do in Palace picks, but obviously they did get back to 500 with their win last night against the Giants. But you are right, and it's not necessarily a team that I'm ready to be like they they're done. I don't care about them. They very especially in the middling AFC where you know that that added playoff spot that could be prime for the pick and for them. It's not a team I'm ready to say they're done, but they are definitely not the the team that we've seen in years past. And and, it, and it's weird. It's I don't know why I think it's so weird, but it's just like we're sitting there expecting it to like click, and it's just for most of the year it hasn't. Yeah, and it's one of those things where their defense has been pretty bad for the Mahomes era, despite obviously their the runs when they get to the playoffs and they play much better. But really, I think this is just showing us how much Mahomes is covered up at times and how much Mahomes has really carried the team from time to time. And this happened with the Patriots during their 20-year run, too. There were stretches where we continually said, is this the end of the Patriots, right? And then they figured it out in the end and turned it around. I fully expect the Chiefs to turn it around and still be a very good to great team by the end of the season. But right now, I, they just aren't, and the Packers are just too good. Well, there we have it. So quick recap. You took the Bengals over the Browns, so the Browns will stay in the cellar of the AFC North. The Chargers taking down the Eagles and the Packers taking down the Chiefs and Aaron Rodgers and Patty Mahomes' first meeting. Oh, yeah. I smell 3-0 right there. Moving on to you, I'm going to give you the game that's clearly going to slip you up. It's the Saints hosting the Falcons. We don't know who's starting yet. For New Orleans, they're in turmoil. They're scrambling. The Falcons are upset that they just lost the game that they should have won against the Panthers. They're frustrated. Kyle Pitts is going to go for 200 <laughs> yards. This is a trap game for Josh Lapping. Yeah, you know, it. You know, when you set it up that way, it sounds like that is logical, and that is why it's wrong. So Kyle Pitts can go for 200 yards with Matt Ryan throwing three interceptions and fumbling two times. <laughs> Because there's very little about this offense that I like. We didn't even talk about Calvin Ridley stepping oh, away man, for, it's just so for personal reasons and whatnot. Ninety percent of my bummer. fantasy leagues weep too because <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I gave up so yeah, much he, capital to get him in so many leagues. I, I remember. Anyway, that's not what that. it's about. I hope that all jokes aside, I I still think it's a good it's a good and powerful message. To step away from something that you might love, knowing that you need to focus on yourself. I totally respect it. I agree with that. And we certainly hope that Calvin Ridley finds some peace that he he wants. And hopefully it's not a permanent step away from football. And we can see him out there lighting it up whenever he's ready to do so. But 
back to ragging on the Falcons and not being nice. Yeah, I just there's there's not a whole lot about these Falcons that I feel good about or you know like their their defense. You know, Deion Jones and Frank, I can't remember his last name, lighted up in the middle. But other than that, what do they really do? Offenses have moved the football against them. So even if it is Trevor Simeon, I don't think they're going to slow down and stop Alvin Kamara. I, you know, Mark Ingram's probably going to rush for three touchdowns. So (laughs) I'm all for it. Taking the Saints. Taking the Saints at home. The Big Easy. Man. Not a lot to like about that. Ryan's going to turn the ball over four times. Not not a lot to like about the Falcons' offense. I cannot stand for this Olamide Zacchaeus slander. This is ridiculous. Olamide Zacchaeus no, I, is phenomenal. Zucchini is not getting <laughs> the targets. Yeah, no, he's not getting any targets. Why are we going to Tajay Sharp? Tajay Sharp. Yeah, how about that? How about how about I can't. I, you know, it's <laughs> you know, it's really stupid. Is I was literally just going to say another name and I can't think of his name off the top. Russell Gage. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it's fine. We'll move on. I don't want to talk about it. The Cardinals traveling to the 49ers. 49ers had a nice matchup against the Bears this past week. Uh, the coming out party for Justin Fields, apparently. Wow, that play was so much fun that he had right there. But the 49ers get the job done. Jimmy Garoppolo says, Trey Lance who? And gets Jimmy Wheels. We had a fun, te- a fun text exchange over that. So who wins this one? So this one's coming down to I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be available to play. I know I'm sure Kyler Murray is pushing to play, but I feel like Cliff Kingberry might have seen what they did in Dallas and said, you know, we still have a long point to go. Officially at halftime this week, we will be at the midpoint of the season. He says there's still a lot to play. And, you know, the the wheels fell off of Arizona last year when Kyler Murray – was hurt, and I don't think they the did. offense ever clicked necessarily the same. So I feel like they very well might sit Kyler Murray in this one. It was a tight game with him last time in Arizona. I'm going with the home team in the 49ers. I think Jimmy G is going to be back under center and just bring a little more experience and and not feel the fluster that Trey Lance may have felt in that first meeting. And you know what? If Jimmy G can rush for two touchdowns, then I feel like the sky's the limits. Yeah, I not really. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not that high on the 49ers, <laughs> but I am picking them this week. So I will say this: if if Kyler Murray does play, I feel like he'll play because he's healthy enough to do it, and I feel pretty confident the Cardinals get it done. But you're right; if the health isn't is actually a concern and that he doesn't play, I agree. I think the 49ers get it done against. I don't even know who their backup is right now. Is it still Brett Huntley? I don't know. Regardless, let's yeah, move on. Yeah, I have on. no idea. <laughs> Two straight home team picks. Let's see if we go three for three for uh, Mr. Lapping here in Pals Picks. The Tennessee Titans coming off a tight victory against the Colts where they really could have lost that game very easily. Now have three straight against AFC, uh, AFC opponents, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Colts, respectively. Now they get to travel over to the NFC to the number one team, possibly debatably in the NFC right now. If it's not the Packers, it's the Rams on Sunday night football. Yeah, we were talking about going for three straight home teams, and it's going to happen because I'm going to take the Rams because right, there's another right. piece of news that we didn't talk about, and that is obviously the foot injury and surgery that came along with King Henry. And, you know, two weeks ago I came on the show and said – Gave him all sorts of accolades for carrying his team and whatnot, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for the Titans to, you know, win big games like this. I still think they're gonna be a good football team. I think they'll 
be okay in the long run. I don't know if I see them going and, and being spectacular or becoming the cream of the crop of the AFC, which technically, you know, right now they are at the top. I don't see that being maintained with all day Adrian Peterson. But yeah, just this is a game where I feel like at home, the Rams, it's going to be prime time. I think Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, hopefully we can get Julio Jones back. We'll see if Adrian Peterson comes in and plays. I'm sure he will. But I think it's going to be too tough a task to pick, take on this team in your very first game without the what's been for so long the cornerstone of your franchise. I will say this. Um, obviously, there was a, a span there where I was also a pseudo-Titans fan because I was riding high behind Marcus Mariota. And the, the, Tana, <laughs> yeah. the Tannehill switch kind of kind of doused those flames a little bit. Um, Man, they really did. You were but, so down. But I will say this. There's a small part of me, and I I really try in my life to just weed out negative thoughts about other people because it's just so corrosive and unhealthy. But there's a part of me that kind of hopes the Titans crumble now that Derrick Henry's gone. Oh, just dang. not not because I have anything against the Titans, but because I want the analytics people who hate running backs to be like, wait, they crumbled without a running back. Maybe running backs do matter. I don't really hope that the Titans go bad, but I think that it would be interesting. <laughs> I do I do think that would be an interesting, what's the word I'm looking for, development in the running backs don't matter debate if the Titans really struggle to do anything with Henry out. Obviously, they do have a lot of players that I like. I like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and I do like Ryan Tannehill, even though he tossed out my boy Marcus Mariota, who still needs to get a shot, by the way. He could still do it. Um, he should go to Pittsburgh. That'd be a good spot for him. Regardless, anyway, this was your pal's picks, and you picked the Rams. So you went with all the home teams, the Saints, <laughs> the 49ers, and the Rams. Home warrior, yes. That was pal's picks sponsored by Michael Buble's Christmas album, which you should be listening to starting now. You're the worst. Nah, I'm the best at being the worst. Yeah, let's move on to Fantasy Corner. Fantasy Corner. I had a rough week in fantasy, pal. I lost a lot of games. Although I did win in our big dynasty league, I lost in most of all my other ones. Ah, <laughs> uh, really? I did, yes, but it's okay. It's all right. It's all good. So oh, I didn't even notice that you lost in our in our friends one. I did, yeah. Close one. I'm not doing very well on that either. Anyways, talking about specifically our show league yeah we are taking some lumps right now so we we dropped another one and one that i thought was going to be very achievable for us to do so yeah we are we are floundering a little bit so if if you just take all the fancy jazz away of like the two games whatnot we are essentially five and three everybody so we have dropped two in a row after starting hot so i'm glad that we did have that buffer of starting pretty well so we we are still second place in the league when all is said and done <laughs> because we haven't made. there hasn't been any week yet that we've split we've either we've either yes we, gotten... <laughs> we have not gone one and one right we either win both or we lose both yeah so at least we're consistent I yeah say. i we were in a good so position we, definitely... we were in not a bad position heading into the monday night game and i felt decently confident that we could get 30 points out of the homes and kelsey i mean that, that was pretty automatic in the first 
portion of the season until the last handful of weeks. Yeah. So that was that was pretty frustrating. I will say this. So obviously the, the question is about, you know, which Titans running back do you add? How hard do you go in for them? So I, let's let's talk about real quick. Do you like McNichols better or AP better? And if you let's say let's say this is a scenario where that's not waivers, it's fab, uh, free agent acquisition budget for those who don't know what that is. But most fantasy players use fab nowadays. Like how how hard would you go for one of these players? Obviously, you're going to want to go fairly hard for one of them because you know the Titans are no matter what they have, they have. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I don't think they're just going to abandon the run game. They are a run-first team that has so much to do off the play action. So I don't think they're going to abandon that, especially right away. I think they're going to try to make it work. With that being said, I, in my opinion, you know, you still have to respect Adrian Peterson. Even last year when he was with the Lions, he still had almost 700 yards and like seven touchdowns, and that's all good and well and whatnot. But Jeremy McNichols is still going to be the receiving back, and I think in when more often than not, leagues are giving points per reception or whatnot, that's going to be more valuable because they're not going to turn to the, what is he, 37 now? I think he 37. might be 36 still. Yeah, no, I think it's 37. Something, I, I don't know. Uh, they're not going to turn to him to be an every down back. So we're going to see McNichols get some carries that usually he wouldn't be having. So I think in the long run, that is still more valuable, even if Adrian Peterson is the guy that's going to get the quote start. So in my opinion, that's more valuable. Yeah, I think you got to go in hard for, for McNichols. He was already involved when Derek Henry was there. The like the widely, by a wide margin, touch leader in the NFL right now is Derek Henry. And McNichols was still getting involved in the passing game. And I don't – I know that they have been a run first team. I think that's more a Derrick and Henry thing, though. I'm not saying they're going to abandon the run, but I see them passing a lot more, which means McNichols is probably going to be on the field more. I think he'll be the starter regardless, but he's going to be on the field more because I think that that's just the offense they're going to run more. And like you said, they get more stuff for, for receptions. I have in my one league – I, I had Derrick Henry in one league, and it's a fab league, and I have $55 or $56 left out of my $100 budget, and I am and I put in a $55 bid on Jeremy, on McNichols. Like, every league in which I can spend a lot of money on him, I'm spending a lot of money on him. I'm going pretty hard for this player because I think that he's going to be – he's not going to be Derrick Henry, but I think he's going to be a guy that gets you at least 10 – points a game and that's invaluable and certainly this year's fantasy where so many players I feel like have been wildly inconsistent with all that being said I don't think we are going to be in position to get either of them. yeah probably not yeah, probably not it just sucks that we picked the wrong Philly running back right <laughs> certainly for this week it does look that way I am not down on Gainwell in the well yeah I mean he but, didn't you know that's he didn't get like it wasn't like his playing time was cut. It was just he's still the his role stayed exactly the same. He was the passing down back and in and in the red zone up until they were on the goal line, and that's where Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both made their hay, and they ran the clock out because they were up so big so early, right? In a neutral game script, I fully believe that Kenny Gainwell is still a great play. So we still have him, and but now we have a stable of backup running backs. So I think our clock is starting to tick on. You know, CMC is going to be back probably this week. 
David Montgomery very well could be back this week, although I really do like what I've seen out of Khalil Herbert, so I'm glad that when we were talking about that and picking him up, I was like, this is my number one guy, and that we got him because I do feel like we are watching... I, I feel like Khalil Herbert very well could make Chicago move on from David Montgomery instead of re-signing him long-term. So we will, we'll we'll have to see, especially as we go into the future, because I really like what I've seen out of this young guy. But for right now, we definitely need to figure that out. We will have Devontae Adams returning. We did not get to have him because of the COVID and everything. So, But right now, outside of... Josh Jacobs, pretty much I think our entire bench is droppable. Yep, <laughs> so. yep, it pretty much is. <laughs> so some, we have some decisions. We have some work to do. And that will be fascinating. But I did feel good knowing that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense put up all right points. For That's us. true. No, that was a good call. You said don't feel good about this, and we did it, and I'm glad. I'm glad we did it for sure. Um, I will also, before we end Fantasy Corner, real quick, I started 0-5 in our Cowboys correspondent Mike Mikas' league that I've done the last couple years. I started 0-5. I've now won three straight, and I'm just a half game out of that final seed in the playoffs, and uh, plenty of season to go. So the the, the price is wide right, which is my team name, is, is roaring, and they better watch out because I'm coming for throats. There's no mercy. It makes me happy that you have that consistently as a team <laughs> name. That is one of my – I think I have one or two teams that are the same name every year, and then I rotate other ones, and that's like one of my go-tos. So. And I got that fun little picture right. of – I got the fun picture of him, of Scott Norwood, kicking the ball, and the ball is like the Price is Right logo. It's, it's, yeah, it's delightful. Yeah, you and your Snapchat <laughs> – Photoshop my snap <laughs> my snap my snapshot. Anyway, that was Fantasy Corner, sponsored by Tears for our team. We're gonna get back on it, guys. We're gonna be okay. I anyway. confident in us. All right, we ready for Friends Fortune? Let's do it. I believe you are up first this week, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't I'll go first though. Let me pull out let me okay. wait, let me grab my phone real quick. It's away from me. All right, I'm going in three, two, one, go. All right, friends, fortune. Uh, so I wiped the record clean, by the way. I did not get the one about the touchdowns because Josh gave me shellac about that one because it also happened this week. So he's right. I'm wrong. It's okay. And I did not get the close game one this week. So I will say that there will be... Okay, so I said quarterbacks with a three-plus touchdowns. I'm going to say that there will be three quarterbacks this week that throw five touchdowns. How about that lapping? Is that bold enough for you? Okay. Dang, short and sweet. I just get the job done, man. I like that. Did you say that quarterbacks were going to throw a touchdown this week? Maybe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Possibly. All right, I'm going to go in now. All right, everybody. So I'm going to say I took the Rams to win, and obviously they got Von Miller this week, and that's big and exciting. He'll probably play. I don't know how much he'll play. He'll be on a snap count. But King Henry went down. We just talked about it a little bit. I think he is super valuable. Adam said they're going to go to the run game or the pass game a little bit more. They probably will because that's smart. But I'm going to say that the Titans still stick true to their 
identity. They're going to rush for a buck 25 and a touchdown against the Rams on Sunday night football, and they'll do it in a loss. All right. There we have you it. You know, you are probably the most consistent person I know. And I I just I just wanted to point <laughs> point it out cuz the first week you really you, you got on me for the not correctly doing the three, two, one, go stuff. And you've consistently done it wrong on purpose since then. And you've done it every week. And it's just, you're no matter what you do from small bits to, to just being, being there for people, they're just, you're a consistent fella. And that's, that's one of the things hey. I love about you. That's nice. Also Thanks. screw you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to add? My friend, I snuck all my tidbits into the episode. Yeah, I just want to talk about, obviously, there was some bad news in the NFL today, and we don't often talk about bad news on our show, but unfortunately, you know, Henry Ruggs, the incident that was involved with him, and somebody losing their life in a DUI accident yesterday evening or in the early morning, however you consider timing, it is it is really disheartening and upsetting and heartbreaking that somebody lost their life in that accident and it's tragic. So just want to, you know, have condolences to, to that individual's family members and everything. And it, it just goes back to, you know, if, if you're drinking or partying or anything of that sort, you know, call an Uber, call a friend, don't, don't drive drunk because bad things can really really happen yeah and it, it feels like, obviously spent time talking about that but right you know, no you're right no it's good it's, it, it stinks it's, it's it's important to point out and you know i feel like don't drive when you're drunk is one of the oldest lessons right we've been saying that for since cars have existed right um and yet we still have issues with that and especially young people with not being able to control that aspect of their lives. Uh, I know that there have been times in my own young life, if I can be open with that, that I have struggled with control over drinking too much and making stupid decisions. Uh, but yeah, I, your heart goes out to that family and, you know, also to you know, rugs and, and their family. Right. I know that he's not, right. yeah, uh, he's not course. a victim. He's no, not a, we, he's, he's not a victim in this case, but it's still, you know, really painful experience to go through where you make a mistake. And, you know, I, like I said, right. I, I've made, this will, I've this made, will stay with him beyond yes. football. This will stay with him for his entire life. Like I said, no, you know, absolutely. I've, I've made, we've both made our fair share of dumb, drunken decisions in our lives. And fortunately they didn't end up with anybody with serious inju- injury or fatality. Right. And, it's just it's really terrible that it that was the outcome and uh you hope and pray for for both those families that's that's a good point to bring that up i uh i don't want anybody to think that we hide from serious topics we certainly talked about them a couple of times on this show but yeah that's that's a good point that that's a newer story too so yes we will have to see what happens with with all of that in in a legal aspect and whatnot but Certainly, as as the details have come out, it is just disheartening. So, but with that being said, we don't have to end on a on a sour note. We'll just ask real quick. I know that you had a, a fairly successful Halloween, so I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we had a few yeah. Treaters, which was fun. So a few. Hope yeah. everyone else had a great <laughs> successful Halloween. They had some good candy now to eat and 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 all that jazz. And now. You know, we get to have the the great divide of America. And no, it has nothing to do with, with COVID or politics. It's all about whether or not you're listening to Christmas music right now. So 
It shouldn't be a debate, okay? There's no, and how many? I don't know how many times I have to say this. I'm not forgetting Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving just includes Christmas music. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, that's why. That's that's the issue. You know, just <laughs> ignorance to to acknowledge. You're like, I don't see the problem. Well, you hey, know, admitting is hey. Happy. Most of your, I, I just want to say, I just want to say, most of your best friends. <laughs> are on the christmas music train okay i saw luke I post about it i'm on i'm all on it i know andrew love is, is on the christmas train so like you're surrounded by people that are yeah. on this side like i said just need new friends <laughs> thanks for listening to the show my friends it may not be simultaneous catch next week if i play well actually it'll be fine because i don't live with you anymore so that's not a problem i don't have to hide it you know I could play it. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> we could be closer. Just, this, don't, just don't flaunt about it. We could be closer this holiday season and not have that, that rift between us. All right, everybody. Well, enjoy week. Is this week eight? Uh, no, that was week eight. We're headed into week nine. Yeah, enjoy week nine. Like I said, at halftime, it will be the midpoint of the season. So I'm dreaming of a... Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>